Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean. I predict we're going to record a podcast right now. So you look into the past? I, I looked into the past. Funny enough, we were joking before I got on. Uh, the prediction didn't quite work out because I was late to start <laughs> this conversation. So I'm, I'm so, picturing, I'm picturing you trying to kickstart the DeLorean as a time machine, and and yes. uh, you ran out of plutonium. So all of a sudden, well, that, well my tardiest may be uh, the reality <laughs> for many predictions. Uh, where, where's our flying car from the Jetsons? Right, it's not I know. quite here yet. I know. Um, I'm really upset with the with the show. Yeah, uh, it and set then, up so many, so then, many dreamy thing, and uh, and I'm still like mopping the floor myself. Exactly, uh, and then there are predictions that people make that have already happened, but they just present them in a way they sound cool. Oh yeah, is that yeah. what our guest today is going to do? Is it I pretending know. to be He's cool? <laughs> he is cool, and I, I, know, I, I, I know. love him. I love him dearly. And I'm excited to have him on. And I, I don't think there's any uh, smoke and mirrors here in this stuff. But I, I have no idea. So we're going to find out. Let's and, find uh, out. And with that, uh, a huge thanks and welcome to Matthew Rosenquist for uh, joining us again for another chat here on Redefining Security. Looking at predictions. Matthew, thanks. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Um, and, and thanks for having the conversation, right? Uh, looking forward, especially in the, the tumultuous world of cybersecurity. I mean, those who, who have some insights get an advantage, and we need every advantage we can possibly get <laughs> to secure technology and, and our personal data and everything else. I would think that for a lot of companies and CISOs, uh, it will be the, if you, Tell them, do you, do you want to do a good list of prediction or win uh, win the lottery? I think what they would go with a good prediction for, for security. It's probably worth a lot of money right there. If I could only predict that. I predict somebody's going to win. easier than predicting cybersecurity. I predict somebody's going to win the lotto, but what do I do with that information? Exactly. <laughs> Especially if it's not me. What's, if it's not me or somebody I know. <laughs> Who cares? Well, you know, we, we are excited. I mean, the truth is, 
at the end of the year and at the beginning of a new year, there is always a ton of predictions and and that applies to everything. I mean, we're not just talking about cybersecurity. It's it's that moment that we all want to hope for something good to happen or to be prepared for something that may not be that good, but if you're prepared, cybersecurity and security in general teach you that that's kind of the way to go. So when you suggested this, and uh, again, you know, not to be lazy, but I don't even know what your list is. That's how much we trust you. And, uh, and I, I want to be surprised maybe, or maybe not. So Sean, do you have any idea? Do, do you have your own predictions? Do I have my own? Yeah. I, I don't. I, I have no original thoughts of, of my own at all. <laughs> so. Well, then you know what? <laughs> Matthew. Let's do this. Yes. A quick introduction about yourself, just in case somebody oh, has been oh, living right. on top of a mountain and doesn't know who you are. And uh, yeah, and then let's dive in. All right. Sounds good. So Matthew Rosenquist, I've been doing cybersecurity for over 30 years. I spent 24 at Intel as a cybersecurity strategist. I've built security operations centers and ran crisis response teams. And, you know, in the course of my career, um, you know, as a strategist, I'm always looking forward. History is, well, it's a great lesson, right? Today, well, that's the fire you have to put out. But the real value, especially in the chaos that we deal with in protecting digital technology is what's coming next, because everything is changing so fast. So throughout my career, I've, I've been, you know, developing and publishing cybersecurity predictions to, to really help the community think about, you know, something outside of the fire they're putting out today and maybe get ready to be able to prepare for what is coming around the corner because being surprised is typically pretty ugly in our industry. And now, when I look at... Go ahead. Yep. No, well, I was just wondering if, if we, will we ever end up in a spot where we can have a, a balance between firefighting and, and planning and preparing? <laughs> Well, if you do a really good job planning, you tend to firefight a lot less. And that's the balance you want. I mean, you can't predict everything and there's always some randomness and chaos and, and whatnot. But if you can get ready for the big boulders, um, the little ones, they become a lot more manageable. And that's really what it's about. Uh, and, and when I look at those kind of underlying factors that apply to cybersecurity, whether it's the bad guys and how creative and powerful they are and what they're going after, or you know the the security aspects, how well we defend and protect and and you know look at the business aspects because a lot of this is about business. How fast new innovations are going to be adopted and new toys and techs and turning things on without thinking about it ahead of time, right? We look at those big factors. We can start see start to see some macro trends that we start putting into predictions. And some of them can get pretty granular, actually. Um, so for example, you know, uh, you know, I'll throw out a few. Now, I, I just published my top 10 for 2022, uh, which covers a whole range of things. One of the big areas that we look at, one of those macro factors is really the different threat actors. And what we're going to see in 2022 is two threat actors we're kind of familiar with already, but they're going to go ballistic. And that's the nation states and the cyber criminals. 
both of which are very well funded. The cyber criminals are making money hand over fist. They've come off a tremendously successful year, which has just motivated them even more to go out, right? Greed principle. Um, they're going to do more next year. Uh, and they've got winning. And one feeds the other, right? Hmm? One feeds the other in some yes. cases. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then we look at nation states, too, and nation states are using cyber. Many of them already have, but I think the gloves are going to come off. And we look at some nations, for example, the United States, a lot in the defense work, right, to protect critical infrastructure and government, but they haven't done a whole lot. They have done some, haven't done a whole lot in offensive attacks. But that's going to change. It's going to change. It's already starting to change. And that will have ripple effects when we consider what warfare is going to look like. It's no longer tanks and guns and things of that sort. Cyber is going to play a big role. And that means cyber will be used in the toolbox for foreign policy. Will it, will it be focused on but, critical yeah. infrastructure? I'm sorry. Or will it be focused on critical infrastructure or will it? Yes. Critical infrastructure next year is going to be one of those big targets, both for those cyber criminals, but also for the nation states. Because if the nation state can go in and start to undermine your political system or your uh, electrical grids or your logistics and transportation, food delivery, um, you know, power generation, fuel, all of that, that's incredibly powerful. Right. And even the threat of it is incredibly powerful. So we're going to see some of those political maneuverings kind of back in the, you know, the 80s where you had this Cold War and spies and threats and, and all sorts of different things, you know, happening behind the scenes. We're going to see the emergence of a cyber Cold War. When you know, nations I, are going to be threatening other nations. I, I love what you said. It, it made me it made me think when you said we go back to, to the 80s, because a lot of us, this psychological game of, I got the weapon, I could use it, mm -hmm. don't screw up with me, give me what don't I want, up. right? And then <laughs> eventually, thank God, you know, that uh, thermonuclear war never never happened, but hey, even nowadays, we're still, you know, dealing with that kind of kinetic war threats and the cyber. So to know that that is gonna is gonna get bigger, it's uh, a little bit scary, and uh, wonder how that gonna gonna create a reaction on on the the good guys to come together and and see what they can do. Do you see something like that potentially happen? So when, you're, when you have a big threat, maybe you need more allies to work together to protect. Yeah, it, and we're already seeing that in different kind of groups around the world. NATO, for example, or the EU, they are clamoring to define some rules Right. The Cold War kind of they had their own rules and, and everybody kind of agreed to them in the background. Um, we don't really have a whole lot of rules in cyber. If, for example, I attack a nation's electrical grid and bring it down, is that going too far? And that's an act of war. And therefore, we call out the tanks or, you know, is it just if it's only down for a few days? Is that OK? Right. 
I want to send a message. I want to let you know, guess what? I can undermine, you know, you know, the policies in South China seas. I want you to support. So just so you know, I can take out your electrical grid, right? Things like that. What constitutes war? Hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing those discussions nationally and internationally to try and set some guidelines because some countries like us, we're really dependent on the internet, telecommunications, things of that sort. You look at a country like North Korea, they're not, right? So it's not an even game. And the more advanced you are, potentially the more vulnerable you are. Well, I want to quickly touch on that before we, before we move on to the anymore. next. Yeah. I want to touch, touch on that quickly before we move on on the next prediction because it's easy to see the, the quote-unquote critical infrastructure as the target. So uh, power grid, pipelines, healthcare systems, ATN, banking, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What about something you mentioned, transportation and food delivery, things like that. But I'm wondering, are there smaller, less critical, but still extremely impactful that, would, that could impact society? So taking, taking out... Uh, Food, food, real food delivery, like the Instacarts mm -hmm. and the Uberies and those kind of things, or um, yeah, online apps for paying bills, or think things that we rely on every day, but isn't it's a it's a layer above the power grid, right? <laughs> How do you see that playing in? Well, we're seeing them actually get woven into what's considered critical infrastructure. So, for example, you know, you had mentioned Instacart or, or, or food deliveries. Um, traditionally, when we think of the food supply, we think of being able to grow it, process it, and then transport it to your local stores. And the United States, on average, has about a two-week supply, right, before the grocery stores run out of things. And anybody that were to impact that, well, then you've got a real issue with people not being able to get groceries, and that was kind of the traditional definition. But now we kind of have to extend that a little bit more because what about those Instacarts? What about our fuel supply so that we can get in our car to drive to the, the grocery store, right? And so the line becomes more fuzzy. But as we become more reliant on those services and those resources, that becomes part of ultimately what food delivery is. Right. Uh, you know, being able to feed your nation. So the definitions themselves are changing and people are starting to realize, wow, this is all interconnected. It's not just the electrical grid. The electrical grid also powers the pumps for the fuel supplies that. And, mm. and so we're all chained together and one break in the link can have cascading impacts. So and I haven't figured that out yet. I have, a, I have a feeling that the other items that you have in the top 10 somehow they are all interconnected so let's mm -hmm. get to the next one let's get the okay, let's, get okay. The, let's get the number coming out so, of the bingo on, <laughs> on the heels of countries using this to uh push foreign policies right basically influence other nations uh we're also going to see basically every country out there that's that's being ruled with a firm hand right the despots out there they're also going to fully embrace some of them already have uh many have kind of dipped their toe in 
but we're going to see all these countries use cyber to be able to track individuals, identify people, understand who's at rallies and who's talking to whom um, so that they can persecute them, right? They want the most important thing for a, a regime like that is about maintaining control and staying in power. They're going to use these tools to great effect. We've seen situations in the past where pinpoint things, right? Uh, Arab Spring, for example, they were trapped Tracking social accounts and locations of people at the rallies, and then people started disappearing at night because the government was able to track it. Um, but we're going to see much more widespread, including the use of you know public cameras, CCTVs, all of that, uh, and blend in right some of those AI technologies to be able to track where people are going, what they're saying, who they're talking to, building the profiles so that they can persecute um, undesirables. Right, people potentially talking with the concept of free speech or criticizing the government or anything like that. We're going to see a crackdown, and they're going to use these technologies to great and probably very brutal effect to their citizens to maintain control. Um, and that includes passive things like controlling the narratives. Typically, those governments already control the news and uh, uh, media stations. This is, will be a way of also controlling the online discussions, right? That have been kind of a, a beacon of freedom and, and free speech. That's going to go away in some of these countries. And it's going to be very dangerous for people to, to, to speak their mind. Yeah, and so I don't that know would be you, the next area. Not, I don't know if you thought about this much in the context of this prediction, but do you see any changes in how society reacts to that? Do we see people just following along and being sheep and taking it uh, where it hurts, or do they, <laughs> or do they the most part, change, yes. change? If how it's they a domestic it? policy, yes. If you can put up a wonderfully large firewall and block all external apps like that, communication apps, and you only allow certain ones, or or that you cut a business deal, the government says, "Hey, um, you know, Twitter, you can only post about these topics." Right, you have to put certain filters in that that block. You know, anytime somebody talks about the government, whatever. If you want to do business in our country, then you have to comply with these. Also, we want one of your offices here. We want your executives here because if somebody messes up, we want to go down there and basically arrest them. <laughs> so send some of your officers here as well. Right. Talk so you've got skin quote in the unquote game. officer here. We have a new officer. <laughs> right. We're, we're, we're seeing that. We're seeing yeah. government say you have to open up a local office and we want a certain level of executive here because mm -hmm. if you don't do what we want you to do. OK, yeah, I'm not volunteering for that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. And, and I don't know if there is in the end a, a payoff. I mean, there is a lot of commercial value, obviously, to get along mm -hmm. with this, but uh but then you're going to certain territory that is not so good. Um, are you covering other things related to, to, to privacy? Because uh, many things come to mind because you talked about dictatorship. And, uh, and mm -hmm. I, I, have the, I have the bad feeling that spyware, privacy, it's not going to get much better in a commercial democratic society either. So what, what you got on this front? 
Okay, so let's go into some of the the technology innovations that we're mm. going to see this year and how that's going to turn things upside down a little mm. bit. So uh, I focused on three areas, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cryptocurrency. And the easiest of the three there is really around cryptocurrency. And it has to do with the fact that there is tremendous innovation and there is a, a huge pouring of money into these types of markets that in many cases are not regulated, so forth. But we're talking trillions of dollars. And in some cases, some of these new projects that don't even have a product yet, people are backing it with billions of dollars. So there is a lot of money to be made. And wherever there is a lot of money, not very far behind are those cyber criminals <laughs> coming in to fleece, to steal, to hack, to defraud, all of those kinds of things, whether it be rug pulls or, or social engineering or entire companies that are fraudulent, that are being spun up, saying great things, we're going to deliver this, pour your money in, and then they disappear, right? So... There's lots going on in, in the cryptocurrency. And for the most part, most part, it's the cyber criminals. There is still some of that element. We talked about the nation states and those nation states that need to launder some money um, because they're sanctions. They're also using cryptocurrency as well. But overall, cryptocurrency is, uh, you know, not really about illicit transactions. The latest data show that it's um, less than a tenth of a percent of cryptocurrency transactions are, are actually tied to illicit transactions. So this there's just a huge flood of everyday people and businesses and companies and, and everything else diving into this because there's benefits, but that money is attracting attacks. And we're going to see some really big ones, probably at least four to 600% increase in the amount of theft and fraud in 2022 as compared to 2021. Okay. Uh, you had asked about privacy. So let's talk next about quantum computing. Mm. Now, quantum computing, building quantum computers, that's been going on for a while. But I predict this next year, we're going to reach a tipping point where the hardware, and there's a few companies out there developing quantum computers with enough qubits out there to make a difference, combining hardware with some modified algorithms similar to Shor's or a modified Shor algorithm, are actually, we're going to see a proof of concept that combines that hardware and the software and shows how certain types of encryption can be undermined. And this proof of concept that I'm expecting in 2022 is going to rattle people. Everybody already knows we need, you know, different algorithms. We need to eventually move. NIST is evaluating quantum resistant algorithms, hasn't decided on which one it's going to promote yet. But as soon as we have a real proof of concept out there by the researchers, nobody's going to wait. Everybody's going to go into panic mode. We do not want our financial transactions. We do not want our, our you know, uh, messaging, our communications, our healthcare records and all that to suddenly be exposed. So that's going to potentially turn privacy on its ear. Um, now, I don't expect full-scale attacks uh, in 2022. It will be R&D proof of concept, but it'll be the first of its kind, and it will have a ripple effect. Will it be at the low end of encryption? or Yeah, okay. but still, I, I suspect it will showcase the, how it can undermine public-private mm -hmm. encryption keys. Yeah, so there's still a lot of that in use. Right? What we use. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, that's it's no. going to make a lot of people very nervous. Why do I have the feeling that artificial intelligence is going to fit into this conversation? That happens to be the third area. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I can predict it, the future too. <laughs> see, you, yes, you can predict it. Predict the predictor. Uh, and and AI, it's such a powerful tool, right? And it's it's not even just one tool. You've got you know machine learning and deep learning and and you know all these different things, but it is very very powerful. And we're seeing big companies use that to analyze data. In fact, there are these you know. Uh, data lakes that exist. Uh, the recent estimate that I saw is over 90% of all data that's generated is unstructured, right? So it can't really be used. And AI systems have the ability to be able to go in and extract value from that, which means companies have been collecting a lot of unstructured data, not necessarily being able to get the value out of, but waiting because they want to be able to. AI is going to be able to do that. Now, let's, let's get it a little more granular. Right. The attackers, the bad guys, those cyber criminals, those nation states, you know, all the cyber attacker, you know, archetypes out there, they're going to use this. They're going to use it specifically to create scalable attacks that are automated, customized down to the user, right, and learn from their mistakes. So imagine this I'm the bad guy and I'm targeting. 100,000 people, right? Or a million people. Marco's one of them. But I set to task my AI tools and it finds Marco, just like it's going to find everybody else. And it does a quick search. It sees that Marco's interested in uh, security technology. He's got these different social accounts, starts to pull in the names of his family members, his friends. And it realized, hey, it, Marco knows Sean. Marco works with Sean. Great. So this AI tool then crafts, let's say, a phishing attack specific to Marco. And it's going to say, hey, this is Sean, right? Because he knows it. You know, uh, we just did this podcast last night. There's a problem with it. Check out the video. Check and put the link in there. What are the chances Marco's going to click on it? But maybe he doesn't. Maybe Marco's smart. Right. And goes, no, 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 no. Sean would never do that. Yeah, the English is far too proper. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, or maybe yeah, Marco English is not right. Or maybe Marco doesn't trust Sean to start with. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the AI system no. can then monitor that and go, well, Marco opened up the email mm -hmm. and maybe hovered over right that link, but chose not to. OK, I'm going to track that time. Now I'm going to craft another yeah. phishing attack and I'm going to optimize it again. Maybe it's going to be with, um, you know, Marco's family or something else or a different statement from Sean with less, you know, proper English <laughs> and, you know, put it. And again, it's going to learn and it's not going to stop. That, it's going to be automated. And apply that learning to other targets. Continuously learn until it wins. And it'll apply its learning to other targets, right? Yes. This whole system you just described, it, it just opened a Pandora's box in my head of, you know, the, the entire conversation about it's a number game. 
you know, phishing attack. It's a number mm-hmm. game. Everybody can send this many thousand, hundred thousand of emails. Somebody's going to fall for it. Now you're talking about deep, open intelligence research done in milliseconds, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And everybody is treated and targeted as if you were the president of a big company. That is scary. So that's what we're going to see on the attacker side with artificial intelligence. (laughs) What's the, what's the payload or do do you see, can you describe kind of the follow on to that? It could be anything, right? It could be a phishing attack. Is it It to get access to credentials? Is it access to to credentials? It could be convincing you to uh, cut a check, right? A BEC attack. Um, You know, people get, a targeted company, if I can figure out who you are automatically, right? Target the finance people, target the, target the accounts payable people, and you can start building these things in. Because all and that stuff also, needs to scale on the other end as yeah, well, well. In order for the, you might the be attack, able to, con- to conduct the attack at scale and be successful, mm-hmm. but if you can't follow through in a scalable And fashion, again, you can yeah. automate all those kinds of things. Once you get yeah. those credentials, what are you going to do with them? Right. And maybe I get Marco's credentials. So I use him to be able to get a hold of the accounts payable, right? Department to say, hey, we forgot to cut a check. Be sure to cut a check to Matthew, right? Send it out right now. It's urgent. And it's coming from his account now, right? And again, you can start to automate a lot of those functions. Mm. We're not seeing the automation yet at that level. It will come, right? Because that's the last mile to get money in your account. And that's what the attackers are going for. So we're going to see a lot more automation, customization on the attacker's side using AI. And it's going to be, it's going to learn, it's going to be relentless, it's going to apply those learnings and get better over time. And the and you, the, the attacker is not going to have to do a whole lot, right? These kinds of packages and AI systems will then be for sale on the dark market. Now, what, on, on the what about side, the yeah exactly thank you well, the, I was gonna... that's the attackers right the good guys the cybersecurity folks we're also going to be using AI in better ways and mm-hmm. currently we use it now we tend to use it to process a lot of telemetry to determine baseline actions and look for anomalies and it works okay um, there's going to be improvement in that. But we're going to actually be able to expand that from just anomaly detection to be able to look at, you know, incorporate behaviors of end users, start to do predictive analysis. How susceptible is Marco to social engineering? Well, according to our analysis, yeah, he clicks on everything. It doesn't take much. He's easy. Great. Let's go put some more controls around Marco, right? Let's go train him in a very specific way. Right, tape his fingers down so he can't click on things. Right. Something, a better but, helmet because he's not a good <laughs> yes, driver. Yes. <laughs> All email goes to Sean first before it goes to Marco. Right. Yes. <laughs> We're going to put a, a speed limiter limiter on your network access, Marco. But we'll be able to use AI for many different areas. We'll be on simply establishing a baseline and looking at some filters. We'll be able to start chaining these things together. And we'll then be able to use that not only in that preventative space, but the detective space when something odd does happen, what can I do next? How do I gather more information? And is this really an attack? Because right now we're flooded with millions or billions of alerts 
and it's really tough to find that needle in the haystack, we're going to see AI get better. Right now, the original AI is trying to do that. They're not that great, right? Great. You take a billion alerts and you carve it down to 100,000. Good job. But I'm one person. I can't look at 100,000 alerts. It's still far too much for me. So that's going to get better. And then also on the automation side, where you've got the orchestration of how do I respond to this? How do I do it at scale? How do I do it quickly? How do I bring in the security agent, you know, myself or the SOC, to say, hey, we found this. This is what's going on. This is the recommendation. Push the yes button, and we're going to go interdict this now. Not only this attack, but the ones we think are going to come, uh, you know, based on it as well. The you know the the variations. So we're going to see it across the predictive, prevention, detection, and response areas. And that is hopefully going to be able to scale at the same level as the attackers. We're always a step behind, right? The attackers always have the initiative, so we're always trying to catch up. But the goal would be in 2022 that we also apply those AI capabilities, powerful capabilities, to our advantage to offset what the attackers are going to be able to do. Love it. I'm going to shift gears here and maybe, I don't know if there is anything that you came up with that you think is either unexpected? Because I'm just thinking, so there's all these technologies that you describe, quantum mm -hmm. and AI, and people are probably thinking about them in general, but not specific to cyber, and certainly not the scenarios that you've you've presented here today, and I presume in your, your post. But I'm just wondering, are there any other advances in technology that pe people might not be expecting? I'm thinking operating systems, like changes to the cloud or changes to endpoint OSs or how we process things. Did you, did you come across anything there or anything else unexpected? That Nothing major from that perspective. It tends to be the usage of those technologies and how we're, you know, expanding, leveraging them for different various things. And that's where that gap tends to happen. Wherever there's innovation, the attackers tend to rush in first, and then we respond. I can't tell you how many times, you know, myself and my colleagues, we get a call going, hey, we're just about to release this new product, this new service, this new technology, or we're migrating over here. Can you secure that real quick? Well, guess what? <laughs> you're, you're nine months too late. You should have brought me in at the architecture stage. Right. And now you're expecting me to somehow put some type of band aid to stop a tsunami. Um, you know, we don't even know, you know, ah. And so part of a lot, uh, part of what we're doing in the industry is we're maturing. And so we are bringing cybersecurity in to, you know, DevOps and development and architecture. So we're seeing fundamental changes there, which are hugely important. We're seeing um, impacts in third-party supply chains, where, um, vendors, suppliers, and also like open source code. Log4j is a, is a great example um, where we have to start addressing that. Now, we've been raising and waving the flags for a long time, but when your priority is what's on fire, you don't worry about what might be attacked later on. Well, now is later on, and we're seeing those. So the industry... Uh, you know, in the cybersecurity space is going to need to fundamentally change how we look at that, how we prioritize that, and what we're going to do. And a prioritization change can fundamentally turn around the efficiency and effectiveness 
of a cybersecurity organization, right? And the, the best example out there is vulnerabilities. There are so many vulnerabilities out there and people tend to think I have to close all my vulnerabilities. Well, they're constantly being generated as well. The reality is, is you have to narrow down and prioritize that. And for a long time, people say, well, I'm going to look at the CVSS rating. If it's a nine or a 10, which is the highest severity, that's what I'm going to do. Well, there's a vast number of those. And yet it, there tends to be less than four or 5% of vulnerabilities that are actually ever exploited. So again, you know, we need to change the mindset in our own industry and we will, this next year is going to be more progress in that space. There's not going to be just an epiphany and everybody changes and it's all good. That's one of those things that we build year over year and we get better and better and better. Um, the yeah, now quantum, you can't change a culture overnight. I was hoping, yeah, it, I was exactly. hoping you'd predict a magic bullet there where, <laughs> where uh, there's some, some mind shift change in, in how we look at something or the way we use the tools or the processes we use. But um, progress but no major yeah you're just looking for the easy button again <laughs> no well, i'm looking know, you, i'm looking for a, a way to change the change the paradigm so we're not we're not trying to scale with the problem that's scaling ahead of us but well that's a perfect example right the silver bullet yeah. um nothing really changes super dramatically until you get hit by that bullet right we are cybersecurity tends to respond and so when there is a major incident, that's when the focus, the attention, the expectation, the funding, all of that then comes to fruition. If you think your security department's doing okay or you're not feeling the pain, you're certainly not going to invest more in it. And you're certainly not going to let them change anything because that's going to add friction. So a lot of things that we see, the big changes in, in cybersecurity are due to a bullet hitting and we have to respond. And it goes back to the axiom, right? That drives this industry. Security is not relevant until it fails. You know, unfortunately when it fails and the more spectacular it fails, well, the more fun you get. The, 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 the more <laughs> emphasis then goes to cybersecurity. In 2022, we're going to see, unfortunately, tremendous impacts. When we talked about those critical infrastructures being targeted, what that means is many of them are going to fail, right? They're going to get hacked. They're going to be unavailable. And it's not just that, that company, that oil pipeline company that gets affected now. It's all of their customers. One, right? one more question. Yeah. And I know Marco probably wants to jump in here too, but so we talked about investments in, in some of these wild technologies, VCs are, are pumping billions of dollars mm -hmm. into uh, crypto and, uh, and businesses built on that. Over the last few years, we've seen a rise for awareness at the board level. Yes. And I'm wondering, do you see, and I don't know if it's this year or beyond, but do you see a rise in the investor slash shareholder level to kind of hold accountable their, their investing entities, invested entities to uh, do the right thing? I think there's a waterfall effect. Uh, the simple fact is when you get uh, critical infrastructure impacted, it's not just these companies or issues, it's everybody. I predict every person is going to feel some type of inconvenience, pain, or disruption next year, 
because of cyber attacks. And again, it may be your power going out. It may be the fact that you know you can't get groceries at your grocery store or fuel's unavailable for a couple of weeks. It may be, it, it's gonna be something. And we don't like inconvenience. It's okay if it's that other company, it's okay if it's those other people in that other state, but when it's us and our family, we like our cushy lifestyle here in the US. And when something impacts that, we get a little out of sorts. So I think the expectation for the consumer, the average everyday person is going to change next year because they're going to feel the pain and the inconvenience. And that's gonna then trigger businesses wanting to compete on trust right, for their digital services and products. And nice. that's going to demand that the stockholders say, we want you to compete, we want you to do right. That's going to push the board's perspective and their expectations of greater security, right, more competitiveness in this space, and they don't want to lose market share. They want to gain market share. So make sure we're secure, make sure the delivery of our products and services to our customers are bulletproof. All of that comes to fruition then. So I would say, yes, things are going to change. All right. So let's get to your last prediction. I, I cheated. I went on. <laughs> but, uh, but I, but I also predicted that you'd do that. You predicted that. And I was kind of predicting that this was going to be the, the wrapping point. And I want to use this to wrap our conversation. So you said that the public-private cooperation in cybersecurity improves. So I'm like, yay. And then you say, but remains locking. Yes. And I'm like, oh. Good news, bad news. Here. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> tell me about that because the whole conversation, all the prediction, just tell me that, not because we're in the industry, but that, you know, there is a, a clear pictures there that we need to be more cybersecure. We need to be more proactive. We need to do things and not just wait for the car to crash to buy an insurance, right? That's too late, <laughs> as you said. You know, nine months, a little too late. So why are we still lacking this cooperation? It seems so necessary to me. Well, you know, talking about cybersecurity, especially sharing weaknesses or vulnerabilities, typically is not a good business practice. Because again, you want to be perceived as we're doing all the right things, all our products are secure, our infrastructure is secure, it'll never go down, right? And so to, to come out and start talking about vulnerabilities or risks, most companies and organizations are very apprehensive to do that to begin with. Um, where they are more open is when the government is, is asking, can you share confidentially so that we understand? And we're seeing a, a, a sea change here with the government. And again, the government is feeling it from their constituents saying cybersecurity is important. We want privacy, we want security, we want safety. So they're moving into a space to say, we wanna start collaborating because we also have to defend against these other nations as well. So we need the telemetry. We need to know what's going on uh, in real time. So there's been some, some great inroads in this past year to really get government and, um, uh, private organizations, companies to start talking. And we're only, that's only going to get better. Unfortunately, and again, as we share information, that helps everyone. But unfortunately, the way a lot of that is designed and it's manifested right now 
is it's a one-way feed. The government is saying, we need to protect our nation, critical infrastructure, so tell us what you're seeing. Okay, that's a great first step, but that really doesn't help those companies very much in a tangible, visible way, help them in protecting their environment, right? It helps the government, uh, but it doesn't help the individual businesses. So I think we're going to see this bubble where people go, yes, absolutely. We want to collaborate. We want to share confidentially with the government. Here's our data. Here's what we're seeing. This is what's going on. But by probably the end of the year, they're going to realize that they haven't really got much of a return on that. And that's a lot of work to share that in a confidential way, in a consistent way. Um, and unless they're seeing the government step in and stop, actively stop attacks, it's really tough to justify it because again, they've got those thousand alerts that they have to deal with every day and they're gonna want some of those resources back to be able to address it. And until the governments can, and it's not just the US governments, governments around the world, until the governments can show in a meaningful way that the information's being that's being provided to them is manifesting in some real action that's protecting the businesses and the individuals in, in their society, it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough road ahead, right? But that's where the evolution will have to take it. Yep. So this is the interim step where it's going to be a one-way flow. And once that breaks and people say this isn't okay, that's when we get version 2.0 of collaboration, <laughs> public-private collaboration, where the government governments are hopefully in a better position to actually deliver and protect companies. Yeah. yeah, and I was, I'm glad you, you went there and thanks for taking it there, Marco, because it was on my mind as well, how government will get involved um, beyond an industry ISO or, or a new policy or new standard and actually helping to provide protection or provide response or I don't know where it goes, but uh, sounds like there's continued talks <laughs> <laughs> but well, but action is going to be kicked down the road a bit. Kick that well, can one, down the well, road. There is actually some actions we're going to see in 2022. We're going to see government, and we're starting to see it with the U.S. government. Uh, it's part of the prediction. The U.S. government, not only the normal law enforcement, which are getting really good at going after some cyber criminals, but we're actually going to see organizations like Defense Department and NSA, CIA, intelligence organizations attack some of those cyber criminals or some of those nation state third party organizations, the cyber mercenaries they're using. And so we're going to do two things. We're going to you know, try and go down the path of arresting bad people. That's the criminal justice. But on the other hand, we're actually going to do offensive operations, mostly covert and try and attack, do damage to systems, infrastructures and the bad guys that are attacking. And that's new for the U S um, we have it. We don't really have as many capabilities as we need, but that gives us another dial, another capability to go out and aggressively, um, kind of return fire, if you will, to these organizations. The wild west. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Well, I, I think no question. Uh, a lot of food for thought here a lot of fodder for folks to uh chew on as they uh begin their journey through 2022 um 
a lot of things to be aware of and hopefully people and organizations and governments plan accordingly. And uh, I think we've kind of, we've touched on all kinds of things, tech innovation, uh, societal changes, uh, commercial and, and, and financial elements playing a role in all this. So uh, it's been really enlightening for me, Matthew. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the conversation. I know we're going to include a link in the show notes to your predictions. And uh, I predict there's going to be a, a fire engine cruising down the streets in New York sometime soon. As I <laughs> predicted my dogs to start barking. <laughs> but I also predict that there'll be a lot more conversation with you. I know you'll join us on a new venture that, uh, that we're in, in, the, in the making right now. So we are excited. We always love to, to be on conversation with you. And, uh, and I also predict that this year, about the same time next year, we're going to be talking about prediction for the next year as well. <laughs> And we'll look back. Let's look back on <laughs> the predictions back. I made. And yeah. you guys need to score me, right? Mm-hmm. Did I completely fail? Did, did, did I get a B? You know, I, I want a grade here, professors. Uh, we'll see. You, I'll, I'll get my red pen. I'll get my red pen. <laughs> well, always a pleasure, Matthew. Thank yeah, you so bad, much. Bad respect, man. And uh, thanks for doing this and bringing the conversation to us. Thank you, gentlemen. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.